Um, but I want to dive into to part two today. And I had this experience recently. I don't know if you had this experience before. Um, but I, uh, I have uh, been an assistant coach on uh, two uh, of my children's teams. Uh, no big deal. In a few years, I'm thinking to go pro. Um, I figure if I can handle five-year-olds on a baseball field, then I can handle uh, grown people. Um, but I, uh, I went the other day uh, to practice, and I was, I was fired up. I was ready to, like, I'm ready to make a difference. I'm ready to help these kids learn, you know, baseball. And, and uh, I arrived to practice. And again, I'm assistant coach. I don't know what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to do. And I go to the coach. I'm looking for the coach for like some direction. And as I'm looking to him for, for direction, um, I receive none. And as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, this excitement turned to frustration because I didn't know what to do. Have you ever been there where you, you maybe you something you, you, were, you were planning on doing or maybe something you were hoping to do, but then all of a sudden you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. And it can quickly lead to frustration. And here's what I was thinking of as I was having this experience. If we're not, as followers of Christ, and just as a, as a human, we know that we all have something to do on this earth, that there's something that we're supposed to do with our life. Um, all of you thought this week have devoted the majority of your time. As we learned last week, the average American will work 90,000 hours in their lifetime. You devoted your life to something, whether it was study, whether it was at your work, something you did the majority of the time this past week. And, we're, and, and, and what we're going to talk about is really how do we determine or discern or discover what we are supposed to do with our life in regards to work. Now, I'm going to discuss how we discover our calling, how we discover, if you've heard the term before, vocation. In fact, there's even things called vocational or, or jobs called vocational counselors. Uh, you know, the word vocation, the Latin root word is vocatio, which literally means, of, to, can be translated, your voice. In fact, the title of today's message is to let your life speak because your vocation is your life speaking to the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, for this day and for this time to gather, uh, one, in your presence, but two, to sit under your word, your teaching. And I pray that as I speak, that you would speak through me, God, to us. And God, that we posture our hearts and our minds to receive from you today, God. We didn't come merely to receive a, a message. We came to hear from the Lord of the universe. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 is a scripture uh, I want to make mention of. It is uh, kind of a foundational one when it comes to uh, calling and purpose. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul's saying this, that we are God's handiwork. We're, we are his, in other translations, we are his masterpiece. We have innate value in who we are and who God's created us to be. But we've also been created to do a good work. So you have value because of who you are in Christ, but you actually been created before you were knit in your mother's womb, before you took your first step. God had a work for you to do. God had a calling for you to do. He had something for you to do that he had in his mind before you ever did anything. Now let me say this about calling. Calling can evolve over time. At a certain stage of your life, maybe your calling was to be a student. A certain stage of your life, your calling maybe, it, it can evolve over the course of time. And let me just say this, regardless of what age you are, whether you are 15 years old, trying to figure out what's, what's life going to look like after high school, 
or you're 85 years old and you're trying to figure out maybe what's life look like now, you have a calling from God because here's the good news. Are you ready? If you have breath in your lungs, you have a calling from God. And it evolves over time. And we're going to discuss how do we, how do we discern, how do we figure out what is God calling us to do in this season and right now. John Mark Comer in a book called Garden City. In fact, we're selling two books out of our merchandise area. Uh, which So, you know, all the proceeds go to our outreach and our missions that we do as a church. Um, and the book Garden City by John Mark Comer is around faith and work. Another book by Tim Keller called Every Good Endeavor. They're both really great primers on this whole idea of faith and work and the intersection. They've informed this series in a lot of ways. John Mark says this, calling isn't something you choose, like who you're going to marry or what house you're going to buy or what car you're going to buy. It's something you unearth, you excavate, you dig out, and you discover. And we're going to take some steps to discover how we can, we can discover our unique calling on the earth. And we're going to look at a story some of you will be familiar with. It's Exodus chapter 4. It's a story of Moses and the burning bush. Uh, and we're going to kind of look at a moment where God calls Moses to go do something for him. And what are some applications? And I believe, I truly believe as we look to God's word, as every Sunday, that God can speak a word to use for you in this season. Uh, so I would encourage you to lean in. I would encourage you to take notes about what God may have for you today. Uh, and here, let's read first Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, it says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Come on, just a little side note. Any dads of daughters, you're, you're down with this whole like, a son-in-law working for you. Come on. It's like, do you love my daughter? Go watch some sheep on the backside of a desert. Let me see how much you love her now, right? Maybe just me. Sorry. <laughs> I have two daughters. Pray for me. Actually, pray for their son-in-law. It's going to be a tougher life for him. Um, the priest, so, he, so he's on the far side. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The reason the Horeb is called the mountain of God, it's also synonymous with Mount Sinai. Um, the reason it's called the mountain of God is because it was on this mountain. Uh, this happens later. God meets with Moses and gives him what we know as the Ten Commandments. It's also on this mountain that Elijah, the prophet Elijah, met with God. It was a place where people met with God. Can I say this? You need to have a place in your life. And let me get real practical. Even a place in your house, a place where you live on a regular basis, I would encourage you, where you meet with God. Where you have a time to say, here's, I'm going to open the scriptures. I'm going to have a time to talk with God, even if it's for five minutes a day. Have a place. Have a space. Can I tell you? God is talking. It's not a question of whether God's talking. It's are we listening? And, and we need to create space in our life. The, the bush was burning. On a side note, anybody else, your response may be a little crazier than Moses if you saw a bush on fire and it spoke to you. Just me. Like if you walked outside and the bush right here on Wisconsin Avenue or Woodmont Avenue was on fire, I'd be freaking out, right? The Jeremy version's like, what in the world? Like, I'd be like having a moment. And the, uh, Moses, here, he speaks, here's why fire is significant. Fire is symbolic for the presence of God all throughout the Old Testament. Can I tell you, there's also something powerful about being in the presence of God. Now, God is always present with us, but there's also something called the manifest presence. When the presence of God is in a tangible way in the room. Like right now, the Bible says where two or more gather in the name of Christ, he is in the room. He's actually in the room right now. He's actually, he's speaking to us right now. That's why I encourage you when, you, when you come to churches to take notes, here's why. Not so you write down what I say, so you write down what he says. 
Can I tell you, I've had services where people come up to me and say, man, I love it when you said that. I said, well, I didn't say that, but that's good. <laughs> Why? Because the, the, the Spirit of God is speaking. And you often won't even discern it. Because it'll sound maybe like it's coming from me or coming from someone else. But God is here in our midst. It's important that you spend time in the presence of God because God wants to speak to us. So Moses thought, verse 3, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the, within the bush, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. Uh, anytime God says your name twice, it's kind of this urgency. He's like, Moses, Moses. And what begins to proceed, which we'll see, God calls Moses a shepherd on the backside of the desert in Mount Horeb, who's been spending lots of time with sheep. Come on, kind of like, you know, he's been with sheep and no one around him, much like many of us had experience when we were in quarantine, except for the sheep part, hopefully. Um, uh, but no, but we didn't have many people around as if you were at home for a period of time, you've been working from home. And Moses now, he's in this moment where God's gonna call him to go be Israel's deliverer from bondage. And this calling begins with this moment. And, and let me, God, God will speak in extraordinary ways to you through ordinary means. Let, let, let me give you a modern example. This is four years ago now. Uh, Christine and I were actually, so if you're new to Catalyst, we, uh, this church, we had our first service in January of 2019. So this was now four years ago, 2017. Christine and I were praying about starting Catalyst Church. We hadn't told anyone besides a close friend. Um, we didn't tell our kids. Come on, parents, how many of you know if you tell your kids something, the world will find out, right? <laughs> um, uh, some of us have learned that the hard way. Um, and uh, so we, we, uh, we were, were driving in the vehicle, uh, driving in our vehicle from, from church that we were a part of. And on the way home, out of the blue, my three-year-old daughter, Hannah, who's now seven, she said, I mean, literally, we weren't even talking about this. And she just said out of the blue, mommy and daddy, I think you should build a church. I said, say what, Lord? And then she said, I got to go potty. I was like, okay, there's the three-year-old. All right, there it is. Um, but in that moment, we were like, this is like, and again, if you want to call me crazy, call me crazy. But God spoke in a bush. He can speak to a three-year-old. And God spoke in a bush. He can speak to you through anything, including a bald-headed, sweating preacher, okay? He can speak to you through anything. I think in my own life, I often miss what God is saying. It's because I have limited to how he can speak. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all responding. That's okay, though. That's okay. I brought my own encouragement. That's a good word, Jeremy. That was good for me. God is not limited by time nor space. So he can speak through a bush. He can speak through your child. He can speak through your crazy coworker. He can speak through anything or anyone as he pleases because he is God and we are not. In that moment, I would encourage you, be attuned to the voice of God in your life. Be attuned to how he may speak in your life. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I'll give you a practical example of somebody who postured himself, who set aside time and space to hear from God, a man named James Tufkinian. His story is in the book, uh, the book by Tim Keller. He was studying Genesis chapter 1, the creation story. And while studying Genesis chapter 1, the creation story, he read how God created creation and said it was good. In that moment, he felt this inspiration saying, I am called to create something 
That's good. While he was studying scripture, um, in the midst of it, he was, he kind of inspired by scripture, combined with the passion God had given him for his home country of Armenia. His home country of Armenia had experiencing poverty at that time. Now, they had fruit in that country that during a part of the year would generate revenue for locals. And he had this idea, this creative idea, while reading scripture to create a fruit preserve business that would not just provide revenue for a season, but for every part of the year. Catch as it gets better. You can look up his, his business. It's called Harvest Song. He sells fruit preserves. Um, by the way, I have no formal connection. Okay. Um, but I do like fruit preserves. Uh, he now has expanded his business. He sells artisan rugs. You know this crazy thing? He not only has provided employment for those unemployed, he's not only provided revenue to an area where there's poverty, but he has also built a Montessori school in an area where there wasn't any formal education. He's built a medical center in a place where there was no access to medicine. All for the glory of God coming out of time with God. That's amazing. That's amazing. Set aside time to hear from the voice of God. He wants to speak. He's speaking. The question is, are we listening? Now, listen, some of you may get a moment like that. You may have a moment where God speaks to you through Scripture. I've had those moments. You may have that. It may happen in prayer. It may happen in different ways. But be, be sensitive in those moments. Um, he also speaks through others. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says this, that while they, referring to the church, were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So God spoke through the church for two people within the church. Can I tell you, it's so important you're connected in community. Here's why. Because here's what I believe. Your calling is actually intimately connected to your community. And someone in your community, in your circle, may actually, God may speak through them for you for the work that he's calling you to do. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, Jeremy, that's great, but they're in the church. Let me give you an example of the government. Deuteronomy 31, 14. Moses had been leading the Israelite people. This is now the end of his life. Now the day of your death is near, the Lord says to him. Call Joshua and present him at the tent of meeting before the Israelite people where I will commission him. I want you to catch this. Because maybe you're thinking to yourself, Jeremy, it's great. I know you're called if you're in church work or you're a missionary or maybe you go overseas and do something. But, but I'm in business. But, I, but, but I'm a lawyer. But I'm, I work at a restaurant. God called Joshua through Moses to lead in the government. Not the church, the government. God may call you through someone to do something that you may look at as secular, but as we learned last week, there's no divide between sacred and secular. God's intent was for it all to be sacred. The earth, the fullness of the earth is the Lord's. Your calling is connected to your, your community. I had an example of this. I've had examples where even I could share um, of where people spoke to us um, to start this church in our community, uh, where God spoke through them to us about this. Um, but we had a moment, this was actually before I was, I was following Christ. And I had a, I had a superior, um, two levels up. I came to find out later he was a follower of Jesus. But I was, um, at this time, I was actually thinking about moving to, the, to D.C. because I had friends up here to work as a psychologist in the city. 
So I, uh, the day I was deciding to do so, it's late afternoon, I'm in my office, he calls me. He says, Jeremy, I just wanted to let you know, we were having a meeting with uh, leaders in the school division, and we were, saying, we, were, we were talking about who we're thankful for. And I said that I was thankful for you, that you were a part of the school division, and that you have just added so much value, and it kind of went on. And when I, when I hung up the phone, I, I didn't say this at the time, because I, I couldn't discern this, but here's the reality, is, is in retrospect, God spoke to me through him and inspired me to stay where I was. You wonder why I'm so grateful for that? Because three months later, in a local church, I came, and I found about the, I, I discovered and learned the love of Christ in that church. My life was changed. So a few months after that, I met a beautiful red-headed woman named Christina Jowers, who is now Christina Burroughs. Holla at your boy. <laughs> little air high five. I'm glad he called me that day. I'm glad I allowed God, which I didn't even know at the time, God to speak to me through him. Can I tell you, God will speak to you through people. If you allow him, if you allow him. Here, let me get real practical too. If, you're, if this is kind of brand new to you, here's a very practical way too. Is even ask those closest to you. Hey, what when you like? What do you think I'm really good at? If you were to like pick a career for me, or pick a that's even a simple way to make it simple. What do you see in my life? You know what I found? Oftentimes, the very thing you're gifted at, you don't see in yourself because it comes natural for you. Come, there's someone close to me. She is gifted at leadership. She doesn't fully see it in her life. You know why? Because it's natural to her. There are some of you have gifts. That's why it's so important you're in community. You can ask others, hey, what do you see in me? What, what, what gifts do you see that I have? What, where do you see in me? You may be surprised by what others say. So, so the first point is that we need to listen to God's voice and listen to others around us who can speak into our, our lives. Um, here's point number two. Number one, listen to God's voice and others. Number two is that we need to look for opportunities to demonstrate God's love and goodness to the world. Exodus 3, verse 7, it says, um, The Lord said to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard the crying because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up to the land of the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring the people of the Israelites out of Egypt. I want you to catch this. The Israelites were praying for God to, to release them, for God to free them of their suffering. And God speaks to Moses, Moses, go, bring my people into freedom. Listen, I want you and your prayers to be answered by God, but can I tell you what I want more for you? I want the calling that God has for you even more than I want your prayers to be answered, I want you to be the answer to somebody's prayers. I want what God's called you to, to be the answer to somebody's prayers. If you're calling to be a teacher, you're answering a mother's prayer for her son to read. If you're calling to be a doctor, it's gonna bring relief for someone who's had chronic back pain their entire life. Your calling in business will bring a product or a service to someone 
that will bring joy in their life and reflect the beauty and the goodness of our God. Your call to legal practice will help bring justice into the world for somebody. Are you following me, church? Your calling may be the prayers that someone right now is praying. Will you be mindful of what he's calling you to? Paul, or Paul said to Titus in Titus 3.14, our people referring to the church of Jesus must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and to not live unproductive lives. I want you to hear this when it comes to your calling. God does not look at your calling or measure your calling by how, how uh, long your CV is. I know many of you in this room are very long by how many letters behind your name, by how much money you earn, by your 401k, by your your retirement home, by what office you hold, by your place on the organizational chart. God says this, if you want to live a productive life, he brings out real practical, meet people's needs. Is there a need in the world? Meet it, meet it. That's how you can take what may seem secular and make it very sacred. Uh, Gene Edwards, he wrote a book called God and Work. He said this, that actually the, the primary purpose of your vocation is to love your neighbor as yourself. It, it's a way that you express love for your neighbor, service to your, your neighbor, uh, is by doing that very thing. Uh, let me ask you this, is what needs, what passions, what, let me, what, what needs in this world are you drawn to? What things, when you look at the world, when you look at your industry, when you look at this community, what do you see is missing? Maybe for you, your passion is nutrition and healthy living. Maybe for you, your passion is, is integrity in business. Maybe your passion is to have an organization that values people for who they are and not just what they do. Maybe your passion is to create baked goods or food that will bring joy into people's life. That is the case. Holla at me after service, okay? No, seriously. What, what needs are you drawn to? What passions do you have in the world? That is your unique passion. I love what Frederick Buchner says. He's a theologian. He says, work is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. There was a man named Chris. He was in the financial services sector uh, in, in, on Wall Street. And he was getting discouraged because in his organization, they were uh, focused predominantly and, 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 and even primarily, if not entirely, on profit at the expense of their people. And it was an unhealthy, driven organizational culture to where he was processing, should I even, should I even leave business? And should I, should I go into another industry because of this? But he got inspired from God to create an organization that value people for who they are, not just what they do. And he created his own organization where they celebrated birthdays, where they even set limits on work hours so that people weren't getting burned out, people weren't getting tired. What did he do? He saw a need in business, and he responded to that need. Here's the reality. You're going to see needs in this world that not, not, not everyone will see. Have you ever had this moment, whatever you're passionate about, whatever needs you have, have you ever seen something or had this thought? Why is not everyone as passionate about this as others? Or have you ever met someone who are so passionate about their calling or the needs they were meeting, they don't understand why other people aren't as passionate? You ever experienced that? And you're almost like, oh, I, I care, but I just don't care. You know what I'm saying? 
Here's why. Let me, let me give an illustration um, with, a, with a blanket that I have. My daughter's uh, blanket. Um, and it's got multi-colors on it. Uh, I can give it up for Eric, who's giving me a hand. Come on, give it up for Eric. So here's what I want you to do. There are many colors on this blanket that you now see. But I want you, on the count of three, to shout out, even at home, we hear you. Uh, or you can type it in the chat area. Shout out what color you saw first. Ready? One, two, three. All right. Do it again. Okay. One, two, three. I had no idea what you said. Come on, give it up for Eric. Thank you, Eric. Here's what I heard. Some of you saw pink. Some of you saw green. Some of you saw yellow. Some of you saw blue. Not all of you saw the same color first. Some of you, you look at the world. What burdens you is the fact that there are people in our own city who won't have a house to sleep in tonight. There are some of you that what burdens you is that people are mistreated in business for the sake of profit. There are some people that what burdens you is that some people don't have access to adequate health care. Are you following me? You see different things. Here's why this is important. It's because the passions you have, the needs that you see, is God expressing his love and his grace through you uniquely. And we are the body of Christ. You're not supposed to be passionate about everything to the same degree. You can't handle that. But God has given you a passion. And can I tell you, for the sake of others, take hold of that passion. Go after it. And listen, don't allow someone, don't allow someone to make your passion seem less valuable because it's not as significant. Can I tell you, we need people who are passionate about equity in healthcare as we do people who are lacking a place to sleep, as we do to have integrity in business, as we do to have excellent customer service in the hospitality industry. What's that passion God has, has given you? Uh, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, Jeremy, that's great. And, and, and to hear all that, and maybe for some of you, let me just say this, because I don't want to be so idealistic that it's like out of reach. For some of you, some of you, at least for right now maybe, you will make money or make your living through a job that's not a one-to-one match with your passion. Now, it may not be forever, but it may be right now. Look at the Apostle Paul. He made money as a tent maker, but he planted churches for the Gentiles. Like He, he still made money as a tent maker. So, so there may be a, a job that you have, and maybe you actually need to pivot your passion a little bit. There's a story I read of a man named Casey. He was a guitar player, a vocalist, loved to write music. And when he had a baby, um, he had produced records. When he had a baby, he realized he needed more income to provide for his family. He needed to do something different. So he took his passion for music and creating a beautiful work of art and the work of, of God's beauty. He pivoted that into a company that made custom guitars for guitarists around the world. So he made his living, he made his money doing that, and he still was able, he still was in his passion lane and still able to do what he, he wanted to do. But regardless of where you find yourself, and even some of you, I'm gonna say this, there's some in the room maybe like this, that tomorrow morning you're gonna go to work or you're gonna sign in online for a job that you're saying to yourself, Jeremy, I don't like this job. I'm there because I get paid for it. I make good enough money, but I don't love it. 
It's not my passion. It's great you're sharing all of this. I have a word for you. It's Jeremiah 29, 7, because here's why. The Lord is speaking to the Israelites who were in exile in Egypt. So they're in Egypt. They're not in their homeland. They're, they're in a, not in a great place. And here's what he says. I want you to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Can I give you an encouraging word or not so encouraging word? That job you don't love, God's carried you into it. You know, the word of the Lord is this. Where you, are, you are called right now wherever God has you right now until he moves you to where he has for you. So he says, hey, Israel. Israel's like, come on, God, rescue us, deliver us. He's like, I've carried you there. Can I say this too? Jesus says you are the light of the world. He will put light in dark places. He's saying, God, get me out of this workplace. It's so harsh. I just wish I worked with all kind people. He's saying, no, I actually place you there because they need to see an example of integrity and kindness in the face of gossip and backstabbing. They need to see someone who's generous in the face of selfishness. God has called you to shine his light where he's had you. And can I tell you to fulfill his mission on the earth, we need light in the dark places. We don't want to gather all of the light together. You ever been in a room that's too bright? It hurts your eyes. He said, I've sent you into dark places for a reason. I've sent you into that negative workplace for a reason. I sent you with those difficult clients for a reason. You wonder why you got all the hard patients in your facility? Because <laughs> I know you could handle them. Because <laughs> I know you could show them love when they were mean to you because the person down the hall couldn't, couldn't do that. But, but so he, 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 he sends them. Can you show that scripture up again? Seek the prosperity and the peace and prosperity of the city. So he's saying, I'm sending you there. Pray to the Lord because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I want you to check this. I want you to check this. He sends Israelites into Egypt, a place they don't want to be. It does not align with their, with their core values, with their moral values, with their spiritual values at all. And he says, but catch this. When Egypt prospers, you prosper. When your workplace that you have like even, even said, man, this is a terrible place. Come on, my, 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 boss, my boss needs some Jesus. He needs some some love. And God said, yeah, that when, that, when your boss prospers, you'll prosper. When your workplace prospers, you will prosper. So pray for it and seek the peace and prosperity. Uh, not just of your workplace, but even of your community. I want to talk about a gentleman named J. Milton Hershey. Uh, you know J. Milton Hershey because he had the ingenious idea, inspired from heaven, to combine milk and chocolate. Come on, we just thank Jesus right now for Milton Hershey. Come on, thank you, Lord, for milk chocolate, okay? Some of you didn't thank God, and you know you did. You just didn't want to seem like you love milk chocolate. That's okay. We'll pray for you, okay? He, so he had, milk, he had a milk chocolate business in, in what is now known as Hershey, Pennsylvania, named after him. It wasn't at the time. Um, on a side note, just, just to encourage somebody, we always in our culture express appreciation for people far more when they're gone than when they're here. Do you know Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr.? Do you know his approval rating culturally when he died in America? 
was less than 10%. Now he's got an entire day named after him. And we have a long way to go on the racial justice issue. It's a different conversation. But here's what I'm saying. J. Milton Hershey, it wasn't Hershey, Pennsylvania when he was there. It now is Hershey, Pennsylvania. Here's what J. Milton Hershey did, probably why they named the city after him. He, during the economic recession in the 1920s, after the Great Depression, he, um, he pivoted his business because he saw all these people throughout Pennsylvania were without work. So he hired them to do public works. Like the government couldn't pay them. He says, I'll step in. He leveraged his wealth to provide employment, to do public service, to build houses, to build apartments. Catch this, to build a theme park. How many have been to Hershey Park before? That came out of this. He built a hotel. If you've been to Hershey Hotel, it came out of this. I want you to catch this. J. Milton Hershey, out of seeing a need in his city, instead of sitting back and being self-focused, he said, I'm going to live generously. I'm going to seek the peace and prosperity of my city. And out of it has come Hershey Park. Thank you, Jesus, for the chocolate tour. Come on, somebody. Do you see this? Listen, when you, listen, God will do immeasurably more through your life if you will just submit where you are in this life. If you will just say, God, you have it all. I know I don't like this workplace, or I know I'm not fulfilled right now, but I'm going to seek the peace and prosperity where I am. I'm going to watch you do more than I could ever ask or imagine. I love what Tim Keller says in his book, Every Good Endeavor. Work is taking the raw material of creation and developing it for the sake of others. Listen, your calling, our culture will tell you your calling is about you, but that is completely contrary to the kingdom of heaven. Your calling is about others. It's about honoring God by serving people. Here's a last and final point. So listen to God and others. Locate or look for opportunity to show his love. And the third is locate your gifts and talents from God. So Exodus 4, I love this. Exodus 4, 1 and 2. Moses says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? You ever have a moment with God where you like talk back to him? Anybody else? Any real people in the house? Hey, you ever talk back to God? Be like, he's like, wait, wait a minute. You're saying go do this, but what if they don't believe me? What if it doesn't work out? What, what if I'm a laughing stock? <laughs> he says this. The Lord says, what is in your hand? It is a staff. That staff was a shepherd's staff. So I want you to catch this. God says, I want you to go lead the Israelite people. Moses had no political background. Moses had no military training. The only thing Moses had led were sheep. And he says, I want you now to go to Pharaoh, harsh, hardened Pharaoh. And I want you to leave my people out of slavery. Okay, God, how are we going to do that? <laughs> What's in your hand? What's in your hand? I want you to catch this. I want you to lean into this. Listen, oftentimes, God has already equipped you for what he's called you to. And listen, I, I love education. I, I, I love education. I, I, got, I, I spent a lot of years in college and graduate school. I, I, I love it. But, but here's, I think, one of the, if I can just say, one of the dangers in our Western culture is that we can say, God can say, do this, and we can say, I'm not qualified for that. 
Or let me get this degree, let me get this training, let me get this experience, let me get this skill, then I can do that. And, mo- and I believe sometimes God is saying, no, I want you to use a shepherd's staff to lead people out of slavery. Moses didn't say, well, I need to go get a, a degree in organizational leadership, or God, give me, let me get five to ten years under me of being a middle manager, and then I'll go do it. Because now I want you to go right where you are. Listen, some of you right now, God is calling you to do something, but perhaps you have not moved because you're scared. You have not moved because you don't feel equipped. But can I tell you, God does not call you unless he's already equipped you for it. He's already qualified you for what he's calling you to. And I want you to catch this. Here's why. Here's why Moses' story is so powerful. And here's why I believe if you, if you are sensitive to the voice of God, you follow the passions and needs he's given you, even if you don't feel qualified, that you're sensitive to your voice, you listen to others, you identify what gifts and talents he's given you, and you walk that out. Here's why it's so powerful. Because listen, if you would have saw Moses' life, no leadership experience, a sheep herder who stuttered, you wouldn't have looked at his life and said, man, you'll be a great leader to lead people out of the oppression of Egypt. But can I tell you, God will often call you to what you don't feel qualified for because in the end, he wants to get the glory for it. Because here's why, here's why. Because we live in a culture, let's just be honest for a moment, Western American culture, we love to make it about us. The most common idol in America is me, myself, and I. That's the American trinity. Me, myself, and I. It's about me. I got to build. We even got statements like, I got to build my brand. What brand you got to build? If you're a follower of Jesus, you build the kingdom of heaven. You got to build a brand. I got to make my name. I got to get my name out there. I got to network. I got to push forward. No, we're building the kingdom of heaven. It's the only kingdom that will last from here through eternity. Your brand will be gone in a moment. Your CV will mean nothing in a few years. No one will care 10, 20 years from now. But what will stand the test of time is what you did for the kingdom of heaven when you stand before God. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. He won't say, well done, you had a great brand. Well done, your CV was seven pages. Well done, you had eight letters behind your name. Well done, you earned $500,000 a year by the time you retire. No, I'm not saying those things are bad. What I'm saying is those things aren't the main thing. And they can easily become our gods. Our gods. That wasn't in my notes. You're welcome. That was a little, I was just off. 915 didn't get that. But listen, listen, I want you to catch this. God will call you to things sometimes you don't feel qualified for. I shared this three weeks ago, but I'm going to share it again because it's, it's about him and not me. I had a stuttering problem for a large portion of my life. I did terrible in public speaking. And God's like, catch this, catch this, Jeremy. This is going to be so funny, Jeremy. Watch this. I'm going to call you to speak publicly every week. <laughs> and you stutter. Because <laughs> he gets the glory, not me. It ain't Jeremy. It's the spirit of God. And I want your life to be inexplainable. I don't want to look at your life and be like, oh, that made sense. That made sense. I want to be like, oh, God, clearly God's hand was on that man. Clearly God's end was on her life because she wasn't qualified enough. She wasn't educated enough. He didn't have the right skills. He stuttered. She couldn't lead well. And they can say it was God. And God wants to do that in your life. 1 Peter 
Peter says this, each of you should whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. Some of you, the reason you don't feel qualified because you don't understand the full gifts God's already given you. Let me give you an example. So if you've been around Catalyst, you know this. Um, I am not a handy person. If you are, I'd love to meet you. Probably got some work for you. Um, I do have a toolbox, so be partially impressed. Um, it was given to me. Don't be too impressed. Um, I had my, 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 my neighbor over one night. He was helping me with something in my backyard because he's incredibly handy. And he was like, hey, do you have, and I forget, I forget the tool he asked for. He said, do you have this tool? And I was like, no, I don't think so. I, mean, I honestly didn't know. So I was like, I don't think I do because I don't know what that, means. that is. I don't know what a hammer is, you know. Um, and then he goes to my toolbox. He says, oh, it's this right here. I'm like, oh, that thing. Yes, I do. Now that you, now that you pulled out my, my toolbox. And I had this thought, listen, listen, God has placed gifts in you that you don't even realize you have. Sometimes you need others to call it out in you. Sometimes you need others to help you discover the gift in you. In fact, in our Next Steps process, which Next Steps happens right after the service, you'll discover the gifts God's given you. Be in community. Help just cultivate and discover what God's placed on the inside of you. Listen, God has given you gifts so that you would be a gift to the world. That's his gift to the world is the gift he has placed inside of you. I want to share a story uh, in close um, that I hope inspires you. It inspires me. It's a man named Eric Little. Eric Little, in the 1920s, he was, uh, he's best known for this. Uh, he was an Olympic runner for Great Britain. Scottish man, uh, grew up in China. Uh, his father was a missionary, um, man of devout faith. And he, he, had, a, he had this gift to run. Um, he, he thought he had two callings in his life. One was to go back to China to spread the gospel. But two was that he loved to run. He knew God had given him this gift to run fast. And uh, in fact, he, he, he has this quote that says this. He says, I believe God made me for a purpose. For China, he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now, when I run, I don't feel any pleasure at all. <laughs> That's clearly God, Eric. Um, so he, uh, anyways, people saw the gifts on his life, and they kept encouraging him. Because at first, he wanted to go to China. He's like, oh, that's, what, that's what I'm called to do in my life. People are like, no, you have this gift of running. You should run the Olympics. So he qualified for the Olympics. So he's on his way to Paris to, to run the 100-meter race. The 100-meter race is what he was trained for, conditioned for. It's what he was on the build to run. But on his way to Paris, he, he, he learns that the the heat to qualify for the, the medal race fell on a Sunday. And to him, his conviction was that Sunday was for God. That was the one day of the week he was like, I don't run. It's not for me. I, I, I. So he, to the disappointment of his, of his country, because he was like pretty much favored to win the gold, he said, I will not run the 100-meter race. Um, one of his teammates, inspired by Eric's faith and, and, and commitment, said, Eric, if you want, you can take my place to run the 400-meter race. Four times as long. Never trained for, never conditioned, not qualified for. Eric took it. It was on a Thursday. 
He's, he's, he's at the starting blocks to run the race. A trainer comes over to him, he hands him a paper. Has a scripture out of 1 Samuel that says this, that he who honors God, God honors him. Eric then does the unthinkable. He wins the gold medal in a race never trained for, in a race he wasn't conditioned for, in a race that he wasn't supposed to race. And guess who got the glory? God. Guess what was on the front page of newspapers all around the world? Man, because of his convictions, doesn't run the 100 meter, but then shocks the world and wins the 400 meter race. Why? Because when he runs, he feels the pleasure of God. Why? Because God had given him the gift to run. Remember, everything's sacred. Running is sacred. If that's your gift, you ran. And now people still are inspired by his life today. In fact, a movie, if you want to watch a little Sunday afternoon movie, Chariots of Fire. It was made after Eric Little's life. He then did go on to fulfill another part of his calling. He went to China as a missionary and led many people to Christ uh, because of his work. Listen, here's why I'm passionate about you discovering your unique calling. Because I believe this. You have one. You do. And when you fulfill your calling, it glorifies Christ and it changes the world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your nearness. We thank you for your word. God, we pray, God, that uh, today as you have spoken to us, Lord, that we would take hold of this word, God, not just, not just let it hear, uh, go in one here, God, and, and us forget about it later tonight or tomorrow, God, but, but we would take root, God. We would, we would look and say, God, what have you put on the inside of us? What gifts have you given us? We would ask those close to us. We would seek your word. We would seek your face to give us direction. And God, we would lean into those needs and those passions in our life. God, so we would all, I pray every person here in Bethesda and online would fulfill the calling that you have for them. They would change the world and even more importantly, glorify you through their life in Jesus' name.